So this morning's passage comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Uh, let us read this all in one voice. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. morning church again um, this morning I got to actually greet a few of you in person and I come to recognize again this is a, a gathering of people from different nations we have a brother from Afghanistan a family visiting from Korea a family visiting from Michigan and down from the south so we welcome all of you again to our Sunday corporate worship and some of you are actually here for the first Sunday worshiping with us um, at New Hope uh, corporate worship 9 30 Uh, after having graduated from high school. So we welcome you, and uh, I hope and pray that you will get to connect with us, as you heard uh, during the announcement after the service in the fellowship hall. You can come to the New Vine table and connect with our welcome team. Uh, This morning, I would like to introduce our very own pastor, Pastor David. I know most of you know him already, but because we've, we've had two pastors who normally don't preach for the past couple of Sundays, and I introduced them, I didn't want to uh, neglect Pastor David or make him feel like he's been neglected. So he's my dear brother in Christ. I had the privilege of uh, serving with him for the past three years, and I got to grow with him, and I've seen him grow as a man after God's own heart and as a pastor. Uh, he is a father of two children, married to Suram, and... Um, Yeah, one thing I do want to mention is every time I introduce him, he kind of overdressed, makes me uh, underdressed. Um, And how can we not dislike him, however, when when we see his smile? Uh, He's he's a man who loves God, uh, loves the church, and loves God's words, and we get to hear him preach this morning. So please welcome Pastor, Pastor David. Thank you, Pastor Charles. Good morning, church. It is so good to be able to serve the Lord and our church by preaching to you today. Uh, Today is the last installment of the short sermon series which was centered on the topic of missional living in the next generation. And as a college pastor, my message today will be directed to college and young adult people, millennials and Gen Zs among us. You know, I'm not that old. I I don't know why, but people, when they hear my age, they get really surprised. Kind of offensive. (laughs) People think I'm in my mid-30s on a good day, but I turned 31 last month. Mind you, I had this same appearance since grade 7. So my age is finally catching up. I share this because 
I started to serve as the college pastor here last month. And I thought, since I'm still young, I thought I would be able to understand the young people well, connect with them, you know, and just mingle with them easily. But thus far, it has been quite a challenge. Nothing wrong with our college ministry members. Don't get me wrong. I love you all. You guys are perfect. It's just that I think I'm just naturally an old school guy, and I'll never be this cool and hip college pastor. Well, with the person that I am, there has been a learning curve coming into the college ministry. I also have to put in my extra effort and take time to learn to be in the same frequency with the younger generation. So even for today, I put in my extra efforts and I prepared some memes to start off my sermon. Uh, these are memes about millennials and Gen Zs. Media team, if you're ready, can we show the first one, please? Millennials finally buying a house. Yes, it looks, looks and sounds about right. The housing market destined for the younger generation looks daunting. And even, it even seems hopeless. And we feel helpless in it. Can we show the second one, please? Again, we laugh at it, but this is the harsh reality of millennials and Gen Zs. And the last one, please. With all the uncertainties overwhelming our current generation, this meme depicts how the young people may feel living in this very day and age. Anne Helen Peterson, who is an American writer and journalist, published how millennials became the burnout generation in January of 2019. This article got over 8 million views. And in this article, she wrote something like this. Millennials live with the reality that we are going to work forever, die before we pay off our student loans, possibly bankrupt our children with our care, and the list goes on and on. To sum it up, it ain't looking like a bright future for our young people. And mind you, this was written before pandemic happened. In such time with unending uncertainties and adversities, it is rather easier for young people to resort back to this defeatism mentality, saying, what's the point? What's the point of trying? Or have certainty about uncertainties in life. Or be helplessly caught up with the worries and the fears that this world continues to generate every day. In this crisis-like time for millennials and Gen Zs, where we may feel disadvantaged, afflicted, and weak, I hope to preach today, as we feel weak right now, in fact, we are in an optimal state to be used by God and live for God. Friends, we are called to live 
missional life in this perplexing generation. I'm sure my message today will speak to all of us as we are all living in this very generation together. But I say that it is directed to the millennials and Gen Zs because our brothers and sisters in this younger generation are going through or about to go through this crucial and formative years of their lives. Where and when they come to find their own identity in God and form their own faith in Jesus rather than living off of their parents' faith. Therefore, I pray that today's message will bring us the assurance and peace from Jesus that we need as we live in this troubling time. And I also pray that this will increase the momentum of our missional spirituality as we continue to live on this side of heaven. Okay, now let's turn our attention to today's passage and study a little more about its context. So Paul started the Church of Corinth in his missionary journey recorded in Acts chapter 18. The city of Corinth had two different harbors, one on the west side and one on the east side. And with these port and harbors, the city provided the residents a great opportunity for wealth and power. With such glamorous opportunities, the culture of Corinth was all about showing off, obsessions over social status, and preoccupation with elevating oneself over others. With this unique cultural backdrop, the Christians in Corinth, they needed extra care and love. They really needed sanctification. For those of us who read 1 Corinthians, we know that it is written by Paul to correct many problems that were happening in the church of Corinth. There were a few correspondences between Paul and the church, and Titus, Paul's faithful companion, was the one visiting the church before Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. And when Titus returned from his trip, he brought a concerning news to Paul that a group of Jewish teachers who were from the outside congregation were trying to infiltrate the church. They were raising questions about the legitimacy of Paul's apostleship while boasting about their own excellence and dominance. These self-proclaimed super-apostles insisted that they were the true apostles and they were presenting and teaching a version of the gospel that was contrary to what Paul was preaching. So the believers in Corinth were swayed by these so-called super-apostles and they were in danger of being deceived and being turned away from the true gospel. With this context, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, and here we are today in the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians where Paul defends his apostleship by boasting about what he has gone through and experienced as an apostle of Christ. But interestingly, Paul completes his boasting by boasting about 
his weakness. On this paradoxical statement by Paul, I will develop my sermon for today. My millennial and Gen Z brothers and sisters, as much as you feel disadvantaged and weak in this perplexing generation, please be reminded by today's passage that God's grace is sufficient for you in every circumstance. It is because Paul knew and had faith in the sovereignty of God and the power of Christ. He could boast in his weakness despite the thorn that he talks about in this chapter. In verse 7, we read how Paul suffered from this thorn in his physical body. There are many speculations posed by scholars what it could have been, but we really don't know exactly what it is. Only thing that we can glean from the passage is that it affected Paul greatly, and he prayed three times, asking the Lord to deliver him from the thorn. And this part leads us to the first point of today's sermon. The first point is, in our weakness, we are drawn near to the source of sufficient grace. Friends, it is this kind of day and age where we feel weak and limited in our strength. This is when we are in the best posture to depend on the Lord and put our faith in the Lord. The sufferings that humble us, the adversities that draw us near to the Lord are God's grace for us. Those are blessings in disguise. Some of our college and young adult members already know about what I'm about to share, which is about my humble side. It is about my first year of university when I finished the academic year with 1.68 CGPA. 1.68. The journey that I took thus far is only explainable by God's grace. What I want to share with this story is when I was going through that miserable freshman year, I literally prayed without ceasing. As I got up in the morning, I prayed, God, oh God, I need your grace to face today. Jesus, I need you to calm my trembling heart. These are just glimpses of my countless prayers in my freshman year. My weakness, my poor GPA, that suffering time led me to pray more and stay near to the Lord. And this is also reflected in today's passage. Paul, in his weakness, as he suffered greatly from the thorn in his body, he pleaded with the Lord three times. And in Hebraic figure, three means completeness. Meaning, Paul prayed completely. He prayed thoroughly. Paul prayed exhaustively to the Lord to take away 
this thorn from him. Can you imagine the volumes of intimate conversation that Paul had with God as he prayed like this? The adversities, the difficulties, the hurt, the thorns that we find in our lives will mysteriously work to bring us near to the Lord. And as we submit to cling to the Lord in such difficult times, we come to walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a source of sufficient grace. Do you feel weak right now? Well, I have good news. Your time has come to get drawn near to the Lord. There is another good news, and this is the second point of today's sermon. In our weakness, we experience the sufficiency of the Lord's grace. If you didn't catch it, Let me direct our attention to how Paul takes in, how he embraces his thorn. Charles Spurgeon interpreted how Paul said, a thorn was given to me as Paul reckoning his great trial to be a gift for him. If Paul couldn't embrace the thorn in his body, he could have said, a thorn was inflicted upon me. But Paul, knowing the sovereignty of God, he said instead, a thorn was given to me. And Paul was able to do so because he knew, he understood, and he was living through and by the sufficient grace of God. To Paul, the Lord's grace was greater than the thorn in his body. Friends, Faith in Jesus does not promise us easy life. It does not promise anyone prosperous living. Rather, it is a narrow path. But through today's passage, one grace that we can be assured of, one promise that we can be assured of is that God's sufficient grace will be with us when We are weak. When we are faced with sufferings and find ourselves in our weaknesses, we may ask God to take them away. But rather than God removing them from us, He overwhelms us with His sufficient grace. That is what Paul has experienced and is saying in this passage. The Lord did not remove the thorn from Paul's body. But the Lord said instead, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace will carry you through all the challenges. Friends, this sufficiency that we read in this passage, this is not our level, human level of sufficiency. It is the Lord Jesus telling Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. How much more sufficient can it get? And to all of you out there who are going through a difficult time, or those of you who feel weak and defeated, hurt, the Lord is telling you through today's passage, 
my grace is sufficient for you. It is in our weakness where we find the Lord's sufficient and inexhaustible grace. So in this perplexing generation where, we, where many of us may feel weak, let's be encouraged that in fact, as we feel weak, we are in a great posture to experience the sufficient grace of our Lord. May the Holy Spirit continue to lead us in our lives where we will experience the sufficient grace promised for us. Now let's move on to the third point of today's sermon. The third point is, in our weakness, we experience the perfect power of the Lord. Friends, again, please be reminded that our God is not attracted to our strength. He is attracted to our weaknesses. Our God delights in choosing the broken and weak ones to reveal his power and glory. Do you know why? Because the weaker you are, the powerless you are, the more you are emptied of yourself, his power and glory are shown in greatest transparency. The Greek word used for weakness here is asthenia. And it is not a weakness in a sense of humility or fearfulness, but it is a weakness in a sense of strengthlessness or even disabled. It means that you are left with no power at all. No power at all. And the scripture is saying here that when we are in our powerlessness, when we have nothing, the Lord's power is made perfect through it when we have Jesus in us. When we are powerless and emptied of our own strength, that is when God's power and glory can be displayed without any distortion. Look at all the heroes in the Bible. Joseph, in his weakness, by God's grace, he became the governor of Egypt. Look at Samson. Samson, in his weakness, bound to chains, he crushed the enemies of God. Job, in his utter weakness, he came to see the unfathomable sovereignty of God. And ultimately, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his weakness, hung up on a cross. He showed the pinnacle of God's love and mercy by dying in our place and rising again to display God's power and glory. This mysterious and paradoxical nature of the gospel encourages us today to take heart It tells us to be courageous in difficult times like this. When we are in a place of weakness and affliction, God's power is made perfect in us. What a good news. It is His grace, His power, His love that will 
give us sufficient grace to live our lives to the fullest as God intended us to be wherever we are and whatever we are going through. With all this good news for us, there is one job cut out for us. Our duty is to submit to Jesus, abide in God's word, and yoke with Jesus, and live for God. Live missionally for his kingdom through his sufficient grace in this tumultuous time. Our almighty God, our all-knowing God, has cherry-picked you. Our God has cherry-picked each one of us to live in this generation. So do not be fixated on your own weaknesses. Let's look to the source of our sufficient grace. We are to turn our eyes to Jesus Christ, who is the source of sufficient grace and perfect power. Before I wrap up, I would like to share a quick testimony in line with today's sermon. Just about a year ago, my family and I tried to venture out of our hometown, and we tried to relocate to other, one of the other provinces in Canada. To make the long story short, there were multiple reasons that led us to this decision, and my wife and I were really compelled that God was leading us in this way. So we prayed and we tried to move, but it wasn't really working out. Things were getting, getting delayed, and as time went by, all the expectations slowly depleted, and my wife and I were feeling lost in the midst of it. We were disappointed about the situation. Then about 10 months or so has went by. And a pleasant surprise came to my wife. My wife is an actor and she had to let go of her acting career for uh, several years due to our young children and other factors in our family life. But suddenly, an agent reached out to her and she was able to go back to her acting career. Of course, we prayed about it, and she decided to sign the contract. And as we signed the contract, we couldn't leave this area because she had to work. We took that as a sign from God, and we called off our plan on moving. And some time has passed, and another pleasant surprise came to me also, our church, New Hope Fellowship, asked me if I would be willing to take on the role as the new college pastor. Mind you, when I was trying to venture out and relocate, I was applying to these churches in Abbotsford, Calgary, Edmonton, and so on and so on as a worship pastor. With my strength and experience in worship ministry, I thought I would continue on with my forte, my strength. But as I look back, I believe God was teaching me 
That is not how church ministry and God's work are done. In lieu of my plan to establish my way with my own strength, God allowed me to serve as the college pastor here at New Fellowship. And friends, mind you, I don't have any experience in college ministry or in such discipleship pastor role. I truly believe God allowed me this so that I will come to learn to do ministry in the way of the Lord, which is not by my strength or power, but by His sufficient grace. Even in my weakness, even in my powerlessness, I can serve gladly and joyfully because I know that His power will be made perfect in my weakness. Today, I have just marked my two months serving as a college pastor here at New Hope. And truthfully, I'm still learning the nuts and bolts of college ministry, and I'm often overwhelmed with worries and self-doubt. But you know what? Because I am weak, because I am powerless, I can proudly boast that every day, every week that I serve as the college pastor here is by grace. Friends, let's admit it. We are weak. We will be weak with our limited strength and wisdom. But through the lens of the gospel, we come to find out that we are actually in a good place because it is when we are weak, we can say that we are strong by the Lord's sufficient grace. Therefore, let's be glad in our weakness because the Lord's power is made perfect in us when we are weak. Let's pray together. Let's take this time to ask the Holy Spirit to help us lift our eyes from our weaknesses and look to Jesus Christ who is a source of our sufficient grace. May we be able to rejoice in our weaknesses for the Lord's power is made perfect in our weakness. Shall we take a moment to reflect and pray on our own? Jesus, we lift our eyes and look to you, for you are with us in our weakness. We rejoice in our weakness, for your power is made perfect in them. We thank you for this grace today. Church, 
Before we close our time of worship together this morning, I do want to invite you to reflect um, what we just sang. Let's reflect on Jesus who came from heaven to earth and dwelt among us, born in a manger, in weakness. And he grew up just like all of us. He worked, he went through school, and he did ministry. Yes, in power, there were signs and wonders, but he confesses, son of man has no place to lay his head. And then ultimately he goes to the cross as the Lamb of God, seemingly helpless, but paradoxically, God's salvation to save us from our sin was accomplished in Jesus' death and resurrection. So let's reflect on Jesus, his life, his death and resurrection first. Let's do that. as we continue to pray, why don't we bring our weakness to Jesus and he tells us the same message that he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So can we do that church? Let's bring areas of our lives that we feel helpless week and as we just heard what a great blessing and an opportunity that we get to bring that so that we cling to him we learn to depend on him that's what it means to follow him and trust him so let's do that this time Jesus, we thank you for our weaknesses, even our problems, because our weaknesses, our problems, our troubles, afflictions of life causes us to recognize 
that we are weak, that we are helpless indeed. Apart from you, we can do nothing. God, we pray for that grace that we come to recognize that over and over so that our lives, as we sang this morning, as we heard this morning, be made perfect by your presence, by your sufficiency, by your grace, by your power. And as we continue to pray, can we also remember those who are suffering, those who are weak in our lives, around our lives? Let's remember them, whether it's your family member, your friends, your colleague, your neighbor, even people of the nations as we pray together this morning as Stephanie led us to pray for those who are under persecution because of their faith. Maybe some of us are burdened for people of a nation that God has placed in your heart. So can we pray on behalf of those people at this time? Let's pray that they will come to experience God's power in their weakness, in their troubles, and, and experience God's power and God's sufficiency. Let's pray for them. Lord, may you have mercy on them. Oh, Jesus, I pray that as you allow them to experience their weakness, persecution, God, I pray that they will come to recognize, no, God is with me, God is for me, and God will help me, and God will empower me as we come to the end of the road, end of ourselves, oh God. Father, we thank you for the gospel that we see in our weakness. We are made strong in Jesus. We are set free from needing to put our life together on our own strength, to build our lives by own strength, or to protect our lives from harm by own strength. We're never meant to live like that. And Father, we thank you for inviting us to yet again to trust you, to put our trust in you, in our weakness, that when we come to you in times of need, when we approach your throne of grace, you help us, you give us. In fact, your grace abounds in us, in our weakness. So we thank you, Father, that all these experiences that we have in our lives, especially in our weakness, we experience in ways we will never be able to. So may we as your people, may we as your church, even though some of us may be limping along the way, may we experience you all the more in your power that is made perfect in our weakness. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God our Father, and the fellowship, comfort, empowering of the Holy Spirit be with all of God's people who in our weakness are made perfect by God's power now and forevermore. Amen.